Hello, and welcome to the 47th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I am one of your co-hosts here at Not Your Mama's Gamer. I am an associate professor at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I study, among other things, video games, video games, video games. And I'm joined tonight, as in every podcast night, by my two co-hosts, Alex Lane and Nicole Marie. Ladies. Hello. Hello. I can actually hear you smiling in your voice. I know. <laughs> right? It's true. <laughs> you can I can just tell it. that you're smiling while you're introducing yourself. I can, like, picture the exact look on your face. <laughs> That's only because I'm drunk. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first 20 seconds into the podcast <laughs> oh, <man>. oh. <laughs> that's funny well i am alex lane i am a phd candidate at purdue university as well and i study um again among other things uh gender and uh, video games and the video game industry um working on my dissertation on those topics so yeah. Hooray. Well, and then I'm Nicole Marie, and I'm your resident bank employee, <laughs> slash GameStop employee, slash girl who plays video games. Mm-hmm. I think that's a su- succinct summation of my titles. Oh, your qualifications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I would say that was very... To the point. To the point. There it is. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, Samantha, you need to save us. We're going a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, let me save you. So uh, what we're going to do is this week is the same thing we do every week. You start out with what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking, and then we'll go into some more fun stuff and see where that, you know, how far down that rabbit hole that leads us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So, um, let's get started with what you're playing. Um, and since my stuff seems to be first on the show notes, how about I start? Um, I have been uh, sucked down the rabbit hole of WoW again. Mm-hmm. Um, God. It's like it's like a bad drug that you just can't break free of. Yeah, that's kind of where I am with that. Um, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Um, very fortunately from my perspective very fortunately (laughs) um and i'm playing because it's it's an academic endeavor let's say that um it gives me a chance to network with and talk with (laughs) shut up other academic (laughs) kind of outside of my usual realm of kind of uh gaming so so that's why i got sucked back down that rabbit hole um I have been I've been playing a bit more Assassin's Creed three. Um and I'm not gonna talk too much about that. Um because I've been talking about it every week and you're expecting a post on it real soon. Uh I've also been playing a bit of Assassin's Creed three liberation, um, because I'm I'm actually writing about that, but with that wonderful um 
game save corrupting bug uh, that's in there. It's kind of like playing Russian roulette to play it because every time you play, you're like, okay, I'm going to push save now. And I'm going to hope it doesn't corrupt my save and I have to start all over again. So I'm actually waiting patiently, okay, or not so patiently for Ubisoft <laughs> to um, <laughs> release the patch that they say is coming very soon um, so that I can actually finish up that game because I think I have some really interesting stuff that I want to talk about with that game. Um and kind of how it differs from what we're used to with Assassin's Creed, um, and as well as you know, in, in terms of mechanics and and the way it's kind of constructed constructed narratively, um, as well as the content itself. So I'm really looking forward to playing some more of that. But the one thing that has kind of sucked my brain absolutely dry and has kept me from playing pretty much anything else is Paper Mario Sticker Star for the 3DS. <laughs> that is so funny. And it's funny. You're like, murder, 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 and Paper Mario Sticker Star. <laughs> Stickers! <laughs> it's like part Paper Mario, which if most of you remember was a kind of Mario RPG kind of game. Um, is part regular Mario platformer and is part Pokemon. It's really <laughs> wow. it's crazy. That is crazy. It is absolutely crazy and it has sucked my brain dry and I have been playing nothing but Paper Mario Sticker Star kind of every night until my until my DS goes dead. Yeah. Um, I even have, have P playing with me when we get to the boss battles and we have to like pick stickers and stuff. She helps me. Um, you are m- using your own child yeah. for game gain. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, no, not really, because usually she gets me killed. <laughs> She's like, let's, uh, use let's use this sticker. It's pretty. I'm like, no, we can't use that sticker. It doesn't work on mine. It doesn't work on There's no strategy. Yeah, so, yeah. That's She's funny. like, let's use this one. Um, but... We've been having a lot of fun even playing that one together. And that's actually about all I've been playing this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you go down the wow rabbit hole. That's you, exactly right. Yeah, you're gone. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of which, I've also been playing uh, lots of wow. Um, still enjoying that, but you've heard me talk about that a million times. Uh, and Black Ops 2, uh, which uh, is my favorite of all of the Call of Duties. I'm putting that down, putting it out there. Really? I love Sad. it. She threw down the mic. I threw it down. Mm. Walk away. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. It incorporates all of the good stuff about Black Ops. Uh, the original Black Ops that I love. It takes out like 99% of the things I thought were annoying about Modern Warfare 3. Um, I just, I really like it. I like that they have the Nuketown 2025 um, they have the small maps rotation in that, and uh, I think that's what I liked about the game so much is because I'm not a sniper or anything. So the fact that you can have these small boards where everyone just runs to the center and murders each other is exactly how I like to play. So mm-hmm. um, that's my favorite way to play those. Games. Well, I like I like I don't mind dying, but I want to take someone out while I'm dying, right? So I don't want to get yeah. smoked across the board and then have to spend the entire game trying to like find a pathway to get back there to shoot them. Like, no, I want to, it's, it's me versus the other person and we're running at each other shooting. That's what I need, you know? Yep. And this, and this game is much, much more back to that. They have a couple of really cool small maps. Like, a they have one that's like a, on a ship. You're on like a big yacht 
that's really fun. And you can imagine it's very small. That's um, cool. Yeah, so I really, I'm really enjoying that. And then I've been playing a lot of XCOM still. Um, that game's super fun. Supposedly, I'm done with the first act and well into the second. So I'll let you guys know how that goes when I finish it. Cool. That's how I've been doing. Cool. <clears throat> Pretty awesome. I, I really didn't get a chance to play a whole lot because um, we have Thanksgiving at our household. Yeah, I had so, in laws and Yeah, for a whole I spent week, so, so much time cleaning and getting yeah. ready for that. <laughs> yeah, us too. So, um, and then um, my boyfriend visited while he, uh, so while he was here, we played a absolute just ton of Halo. Because I've already played through the campaign, but he wanted to play through parts of it. So we played through the campaign together. And we played multiplayer. And let me just say, my sister and her boyfriend actually got involved in it too. But um, we decided to check out Flood. Because mm-hmm. it's like the, you know, the zombie mode of it, basically. Because I know in 3 they introduced the zombie kind of infection. So that's what this is, except you're either the Flood... Or you're it's just it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> when you get when you get killed by the flood, you turn into the flood and whoever's the last man standing. Like they only have so much time if they win. But really there is no winner in this game. There's no winner. Everyone in the zombie games it. there never is. It's just how yeah. long you can last. <laughs> but then also, um, like one of my favorite things about the some of the the, the Griff Ball weekends that they had for um, was it on three or was it on? I think that was on three Griff Ball. Yeah. Did you guys play that? No, and I didn't Mm-mm. play three. So. Oh okay. Well, basically, what it was is everyone gets a hammer, and there's a ball in the middle of it, and it's set up like dodgeball. And you have to get the ball, and you have to take it to your uh, the other team's side. So everyone, and then, like I said, everyone has a sword, and they have a hammer, and it's just massive murdering and fun and amazingness. And in, I think it was three; they had it only on certain weekends. But in Halo Four, it's actually like just a standard uh, multiplayer mode. Sweet. It's so much fun. And that's one of my favorite things I think about the smaller maps on Black Ops 2 is just like on in Nuketown for the first one, mm-hmm. you know, you throw a grenade across the map and you kill half their team if you place it right. Right, exactly. My, <laughs> I love that aspect of it. So that's why, like, Griffball and Halo is just, it's awesome. So I like on Black Ops 2 because you can uh, play the small maps, but it rotates the game. So I've played a bunch of games that I'd never played before because I always played uh, Domination or team deathmatch or free-for-all but they put in all of the um the games where you have to like disarm bombs and stuff like that or capture the flag which i never played before and didn't like but the more i play it the more i like it Mm -hmm. so it's kind of expanding my gameplay as well so that's fun (laughs) expanding your horizons exactly oh but you know what's funny too with my halo playing over the weekend so my sister decides to play by herself for a little bit she decides to play halo online because she was liking playing flood so much Mm -hmm. and i have pictures and i have to send them to fat ugly or slutty but she was harassed on her first time playing by herself on my name that sucks yeah because my gamer tag is 8-bit bitty right so this guy sends her a bunch of bunch of just you know, kind of just general harassment things. And the last thing he says to her, because she doesn't respond, is go suck an 8-bit dick. 
<laughs> oh god, that's almost as good as the dinosaur egg. I know. No, I think it's as good as the dinosaur. It's, it's egg. close though. That's pretty good. So I felt bad that that had to happen to her. But we need, at the same time, I was like, seriously. We need the podcast title. If we, uh, yeah, do we need the podcast title to be "Go Suck an Eight Bit Dick"? That would be pretty oh, funny. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's right. <laughs> so that's what we've been playing. <laughs> Fun. Nice. All right. So next up, uh, what you've been reading? Um, how about we start with you this week, Alex Lane? What you reading? Oh, okay. Well, um, I have a bunch of. I just went to the library and checked out all of their most recent game books. So they're kind of like from 2010 to now. Um, but I got uh, All Your Base Are Belong to Us. Oh, okay. And nice. uh, Jesper Jewell's recent book, Casual Revolution. That's a 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, Communities in, of Play, which is uh, Pierce and Ar- Artemisa. I've never heard of those two people. So they must come from a different field, I imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Gameplay Mode which is War, Simulation, and Technoculture, uh, which sounds kind of interesting. And then, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was it for video game books. I got, also got one on, like, uh, culture and technology and feminism um, that I'm really looking forward to, and Balsamo's new book. So uh, that is, uh, that's the one I started reading. So, but the other ones are on deck. So that's what I got going on. Yeah, all sorts of good stuff. Cool. Well, I have been reading stuff, but none of it has been uh, necessarily game-related. Let's see. I read Patricia Williams, reread Patricia Williams' book anyway, um, Alchemy of Race and Rights. Um, I've been reading Derek Bell's uh, book, Voices at the Bottom of the Well, and I actually picked up um, a new book, on race and linguistics um, that was done um, oh I'm trying to think who wrote it because my mind is bad I have to look um, but she's got two authors one of them is Geneva Smitherman um, and it's called um, Articulate While Black it's on um, it's on Race, Linguistics, and Barack Obama. And it's actually really, really interesting. So mm. um, those, that's what I've been reading. Nothing um, nothing game-related uh, this last week or so. And I think uh, Thanksgiving slowed us all down a little bit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And now that Alex Lane has admitted that she went and checked out all the most recent game books at our library, I'm like, but what if I wanted to go to the library? As if, right? Because I never go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it sounded good. Yeah, it definitely did. I believe you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I, I, I it's like the exact same thing for me. It's not really reading anything game related, although you guys are always way in above, above and beyond that for me. But I always keep up on my blogs, and the past since I started my new job, I had to take a bunch of um, bank secrecy act tests there were 16 of them that i had to complete i hope it wasn't a secret that you took those tests yeah no (laughs) it's compliance for any bank employee that Mm -hmm. you have to take tests like that um and it's just very 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 time consuming because there's a lot to know 
And I have to pass these tests with a certain percentage in order to continue working there. So it was like school all over again. I thought you once you no, graduated, it's... you never had to learn anything again. You know, you'd think that. But That's what they promised me. I know. The real world sucks, man. <laughs> I know. I listened to these two people in line behind me at Starbucks today. Is this guy and this girl. And they were just complaining about this test they just took. And the guy's like, oh, it was so awful. None of the questions that were on the test they talked about in lecture. And then he goes, although I never listened to the lecture. And she's like, yeah, they were so hard. They were ridiculous. Though I didn't go to class. They weren't in the book at all. <laughs> And I looked at someone else's lecture notes, and I didn't see him in there. And they're like, and so they're just complaining, complaining. The guy's like, yeah, it was so ridiculous. He made us be done at 920 because there was another class that was coming in. I mean, I couldn't even get three quarters of the test done because I came in halfway halfway through. I was like, okay, so you never go, you don't pay attention, and you came in halfway through the test, and you're so mad. So you And they're just, they were just the indignant. Face. They were yeah. indignant about how hard this test was. And I was like, you guys... You are never going to last in the real world. <laughs> nope. I hope like, not. Good luck at a job. What yeah. do you want me to come every day and listen? <laughs> you idiot. Want me to actually do what you pay me for? Yeah. I was just like, I feel bad for this teacher's reviews because clearly they were not doing anything wrong. <laughs> right. That's funny. It was all the teacher's fault. Oh, well, clearly. Yeah. Anywho. I don't know what you were thinking. I know. <laughs> Teaching students... For shame. For shame. All right, guys, what are you drinking? I am drinking a lovely cranberry wine. Ooh. Cranberry I wine. Switched to, I, yeah. I, sw- I was sw- drinking wine tonight um, because I kind of didn't want to, uh, I wanted to pace myself. Indeed. Because I knew we were going we to be recording for a while. Yeah, or on on together for a while. So, and I didn't want to be like slurring my words in blotto by the time we were finished. <laughs> Come on, that's what we're all about here. See, I was gonna say though, wine wine is a a dangerous hill to climb mm-hmm. because yeah. you start getting up it, and then all of a sudden you're at the bottom, and you don't know how you got there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So and it's really cranberry wine because it doesn't really taste like wine. Yeah, because you're allergic to the tannins or something in red wine, right? Yeah. Yep. And this is, you know, nice and light and fruity and tastes much like just kind of juicy. <laughs> That's funny. So the bottle doesn't help gone. that I poured it into a 16 ounce cup. Um, yeah. That's what I always do, too. I'm like, I only had one glass of wine, but my glass, it literally fits three quarters of a bottle. But I drink out of a box, so you can't tell how much I Might as well just drink it out of a bottle. Yeah. I do that, Save save yourself from washing a glass. Yeah, but if your arm is lazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know it's going to be gone anyways. (laughs) Who am I fooling? (laughs) Oh, that's I'm going to finish this bottle. I'm not even going to bother with a glass. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm drinking seltzer water, and I had canned chili for dinner. <laughs> you had canned chili for dinner? Yep. Yeah, that was a really depressing sentiment you just had there. Yeah, yeah. I just felt sad for Well, I went and got a bunch of food from the grocery store on the way here, because I'm going to be crazy busy for the next week and a half. Um, so I got, like, 
canned chili and canned soup and some frozen pizza, and I'm going to just roll with it. Mmm, uh, yum. And Mike's going out of town, so. Ah, there is <laughs> the real reason comes out. <laughs> I like that nice little afterthought. Yeah, gonna be gone. I almost yeah. feel sorry for her. No, it's because <laughs> Mike's going out of town, so there's nobody to cook for us. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. <laughs> You've seen me cook, okay? I can't be expected to cook for myself. That's disgusting. <laughs> Oh, God, that's funny. Shoot, well, you put me to shame. I, I, I got home from work, and I didn't, I'm still in my work clothes. I literally just climbed in my room and got on my computer, so I have nothing. That's all right. You will at some point tonight, I imagine. Oh, for sure. We have so much wine left over from Thanksgiving. It's not even funny. We did, too, because we didn't drink, uh, because we started Thanksgiving shopping on Thanksgiving. So like, we couldn't have our, our senses dulled. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I would have had to have a couple of drinks before I went to do that. No, you gotta be you gotta be sharp. You gotta be sharp. And plus, yeah. if you start drinking, you get tired quickly. Well, exactly. I would have fallen asleep right away. That's true. That's true. Good call. Good call. Although at Macy's, they had like this DJ set up with these huge speakers, and he was just bumping the music, and it was so loud. It was good. It was like pop music, you know, like good music. But oh my god, it was really like. Okay, it is four in the morning. I am exhausted. You are throwing this music in my face. Like, like I'm awake I, I now. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> it was I'm pretty in. sweet. They were just trying to make you spend more money. Probably. <laughs> like, just get everything. We need to get out of here. We need to leave. Don't shop, just grab. Yeah, exactly. All right, how about news? News. So, if news. You didn't, if you didn't see this already, which I'm sure most people who enjoy Microsoft, uh, that sounded like a conundrum. If you like gaming, you've seen this already. Um, it's been leaked. Bungie's new game that they're developing is called Destiny. And I don't think they actually leaked a date for it or anything like that. Just kind of random little details about how it's going to be a really in-depth kind of universe like Star Wars. Um, There's some concept art that also got released or leaked, whichever you prefer, because I'm sure it's both. Um, And... Oh, they did reveal it. So they said fall 2013 all the way through to fall 2019. There's going to be releases for this game. I don't get it. So like a series, a series of it. It's just going to be like such a expansive game. Like a trilogy or something. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be so many releases as a part of this Destiny series that basically they're hooked into this, this game until 2020 even cool have they said what they because i'm looking at the images it looks kind of like steampunky but it also looks almost kind of like post-apocalyptic yeah honestly i mean what they've posted about it is just that it not too much about the story even um it's like they're Aliens are coming after Earth to take their... And I don't even know because it's capitalized in this article if it's actually the last city of Earth or if they're Mm -hmm. just calling it last city. 
But either way, there's like this impending kind of doom feeling that they're giving us so far. And aliens are coming to take over the, you know, humanity. The usual gaming aliens involved. I was going to say, weird. I have not seen that storyline. Yeah, so original. <laughs> so original. It's okay. It's my favorite storyline. I'm not going to complain. I love it. Oh, I know. I know. I was actually, um, my boyfriend was the one who told me about this first. He texted me while I was at work yesterday about it. And he's like, and today when we were talking, he's like, I think it's really cool that they're going to have, like, they're defending the last city. And he's like, I've never heard that before. And I was like, actually, that's kind of the premise of all of the Gears of War games. Mm-hmm. And kind of Mass Effect. Yep. And kind of XCOM. And, and kind of Halo. Kind of Halo. <laughs> yeah. Kind of everything, yeah. <laughs> so every game. Oh, aliens in there. Um, it's the last city of Earth. Every game that's not fantasy. Basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it looks good, and I'm sure I'll buy it, because it's Bungie, and I think they're a great studio. So, I'm on board for a few years, it seems like. Um, Fun. And then this is kind of exciting, but really could just be a part of the rumor mill. Um, there are a couple reports coming in that the next Xbox and quote-unquote 720, whatever that means, uh, will be releasing November of next year. So we will see a new system, new generation of systems for the next year, hopefully. So save your pennies. Exactly. All of them. Because I'm sure you're going to need them. Yeah, And I think it actually, even with that leak of Destiny, the Bungie game, I I think them saying it'll come out fall of next year almost even confirms this more. Because yeah. they talked about in that article that it'll be on next generation of systems. So if they're oh, playing a 2013 release, it's going to be on this new Xbox. Especially a game that's coming out as a trilogy. You can't expect that they're going to like start a trilogy on one system yeah. and finish it on a... They're not going to truncate that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's cool. Oh. We've basically confirmed it. Cool. Yep. And then um, one more. I thought this is really, really cool. Um, and we've kind of had this discussion on the uh, blog with Alex Lane's Art Video Games Art uh, vi- Vlog. vlog. Um, but... There's going to be, in the New York City's Museum of Modern Arts, they're adding to the collection 14 video games to be mm-hmm. kind of shown as part of their art, modern arts collection. So that's really cool. And I think if you have a chance to like go out to New York, or you are already planning on going out to New York, that would be a really cool thing for a gamer to see. Kind of an installation of video games in a museum. Aside from the Smithsonian's already there collection. So yeah, very cool. Very cool. And I think that gets us to our very exciting issue of the week, which is an interview with Mark Barlett, who is the CEO of um, Able Gamers, um, who we'll introduce in just one second. All right, we are welcome to the podcast, Mark Barlet. He is the CEO and co-founder of the Able Gamers Foundation. Um, He is the winner of the extremely prestigious 2012 American Association for People with Disabilities Hearn Leadership Award. Um, He's been a speaker at the last four PAXs. Um, He also spoke on gaming this year in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And he just got back from a trip to Spain where he spoke to indie developers 
um, who worked in the Basque region, on how to compete in an international gaming space. So welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we can get into our first question here. Uh, Nicole has that for you. Yes. So we um, were wondering, what was the impetus for starting Able Gamers? Like, what did you hope to accomplish for, from starting this? Well, the... The, 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 the reason why we started Able Gamers was I had a really good friend of mine who I've known since like the eighth grade. Um, we were just we were inseparable through high school. And when I joined the military, I had the privilege of almost never leaving home. And I was stationed in Tampa, Florida, which is where I graduated high school. And um, she would come over to my dorm room and she met my dorm mate and their husband and wife now so it was really kind of cool the thing is in 2002 she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis mm. and the four of us my partner and I and her husband and her would game all the time it was kind of our way of staying together when I got out of the military you know I kind of went and you know she got became a, a military wife and was you know stationed all over the country so we always gamed and and one day we were supposed to be gaming and unfortunately she didn't log in. I called and I said, what's going on? And I could hear her crying in the background and I'm like, what's going on? I mean, like, you know, panicking like any good friend would. Mm-hmm. And that day muscular, uh, multiple sclerosis had decided that her, her hand that she uses the mouse, her right hand wasn't going to work. Mm. And we were, you know, and, and we were kind of looking for some resources for her because gaming was important to us mm-hmm. and, uh, we really weren't finding anything. So we kind of, kind of dawned on us this idea that if we were dealing with disabilities in our family and wanting to figure out how we were going to play video games, then obviously other people were too. And mm-hmm. um, I have a background in, in technology, so I just kind of used my skill set in technology to create the Able Gamers Foundation. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. I'm sure I'm, I mean, a lot of people probably, like you said, were having the same problem, so it's great that you could start something. Um, Were you able uh, to what? find something for her, um, or make something? We we did. We were able to find some resources that helped her out, which you know was great. Um, unfortunately for her, she had a child, and um, children really get in the way of video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure Sam can testify to that. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> There's been a few times when we've been trying to podcast and all of a sudden Sam goes, ow! I'm sorry, guys, I just got hit in the head with a Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, fortunately, uh, Mary is a gamer, too, so she's she's coming up on her pre-teen years, so mm. hopefully uh, we'll just get her roped into the MMOs like the rest of us. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Spread it around. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, spread the, the rabbit hole. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So then, um, after you started the Able Gamers Foundation, were there res- resistances that you faced, and kind of what were they when you were trying to spread awareness about accessibility issues in gaming? Well, there was. It's hard to say. Um, there was definitely resistance from the developer world. They. Mm-hmm. They weren't interested in it. I mean, when you kind of come to a developer and say, have you ever thought about how people with disabilities play your game? I mean, frankly, they kind of go cross-eyed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. And 
I will say we're coming up on, you know, we were, we were really started in 2004 and we're coming up, you know, in eight years in. And I will say the question's not confusing anymore. People understand it perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, and we're seeing a lot more what do we do versus why would we do now. Mm-hmm. I can see the developers not wanting to... I mean, you know, it's it's not exactly known as the most uh, in-depth or, or deep industry. So the shallowness is definitely there. So I can see that being your largest resistance. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely could. But I think one of the one of the blessings here is the economic downturn, um, as the economy kind of got bad, and also the indie world has the indie gaming world has really taken off. You know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more competition now for the for the for the entertainment dollar, and so I think those kind of issues, you know, good timing on our part to kind of get established before the economic downturn, have you know a, our story in place before, mm-hmm. you know, have our story in place before the economic downturn, and then once the economic downturn, a lot of the bigger companies were looking to, you know, how do they remain competitive? I mean. Think about it. You had Roxia, who came up with this silly game of throwing birds at pigs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know they were printing money out of the back of you know, you know dump trucks worth of cash were yeah. coming and being dropped mm-hmm. off. So you know the EAs and all of them, I will say, we're looking for how do we become a compet- You know how do we get a competitive edge? And if you can add a few features to a game and be able to market that game to a larger audience because it's, you know, you can you know, appeal to people who have disabilities, which, you know, there's a lot of us. 20% of the population has some sort of disability. I think that, you know, the timing was right and we're getting a lot more positive. How do I do this versus why would I do this? That's a huge step, I think. Yeah. And that kind of, uh, I think, kind of leads into uh, what I think was going to be our next question. And that's, so uh, as CEO of, of Able Gamers, what do you see as being some of your biggest victories? Well, you know, there's so many victories now that I can't even tell you what my biggest ones are because they're all, they're all amazing. I mean, I just got an email or, I mean, just today we got a Twitter that's, you know, where a person says that, you know, my child has autism and couldn't mm-hmm. really write. And before squiggy knots or squibble knots, mm-hmm. you know, now they're writing their name. Yeah. So if you think about that, squibble knots gave, you know, gave this child an advantage. Uh, you know, when you see, you know, when we do our events that we do and we see a, a, a child with disabilities who's playing a video game for the first time, look at their mom and say, I know what I want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's a win. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really, I mean, if you want to get into the gaming space, you know, when World of Warcraft added colorblind features or when the first patch that ever went into EverQuest 2 was a suggestion we made. Yeah. Three days after launch, the first patch was to put in a suggestion we made so that colorblind gamers could tell the difference between a red con and a green con. Yeah. Wow. That's not even something I would have thought of. And I know that almost makes me seem like ignorant, but, but I'm sure not, that's a really easy, common issue. It's one out of four, uh, one out of seven men are colorblind. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's very common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And red green is the That's most is the most you know common colorblind. So mm-hmm. I think that that. You know, I think because the three of us kind of do games, um, both in, you know, kind of for fun and for research, I think we all kind of run into kind of friends or family members or like we've even run into um, uh, like our one of our doctors, right? All kind of people come to you and say, okay, I have a child or a loved one or a spouse with this kind of with this kind of disability, but they really want to play games. You know, what can we do to, you know, what can we we do to make this happen for them and i think that because of that the work that you do is so very important um and and you you mentioned scribble knots and and my daughter's only four so most of our games are connect games and, and such and a few kind of handheld games at this point but she's been playing handheld games since she was 18 months old i mean and that kind of helped increase kind of hand-eye coordination for her as well and to be able to kind of trace things and um and and figure out kind of linear paths and such because she was able to play she was able to play games on the ds and that was kind of something that you know was interesting to me one as a parent two as an educator kind of three as a researcher to see that you know how this had increased these things for her and she has because she's had uh plastic surgery on her hand because her she had um uh she had a she has a kind of a, a digital di- a disability as well with with one of her hands. But to see how she accommodates those things and how when she was really young, kind of wanting to use the DS and the little pen actually made her exercise her hands in the ways that she was supposed to, but it would otherwise refuse to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 gaming is you know it's it's gamifying um, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to get into uh, your guide for game developers in Cludification. Awesome. Um, and so in your how-to guide, uh, you provide a, a really extensive checklist, um, which you go into more detail in, uh, to determine for devs to determine how accessible their game is sort of on a rating scale. Um, so I had a few questions out of that, but one of them sure. is, how do you define includification? Well, it's includification really is, um, you know, making sure you're including as many people as you want to, you need create to create a wide, as wide an audience as you can, while still maintaining the integrity of the game that you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. So, you know, We've never advocated for all games must be universally accessible because we believe that that is impossible and still maintain the creative license that you need to have, a a game developer needs to have to create a good game. You know, so includification is, you know, creating an audience as wide as possible, including as many people as you can. Uh, that actually goes, I think you may have answered it, but maybe you can say more if you want to. I was going to say in your Universal Design article, you say that it's important to recognize that making everything in a game 100% inclusive is just not feasible. It's um, not feasible. Right. And and it seems like a really important distinction in your work. And I was wondering if you could say about why that's so important for you to recognize. Because at the end of the day, I'm a gamer and I want good games. Mm-hmm. 
period. Mm-hmm. And if, if trying to create universal accessibility in a game means I don't actually get a good game, then I don't want it. Because at the end of the day, why would I want to play it? I want a good game, but I also want a game that as many people as can can play. Gaming is a creative medium. It's not informational. It's creative. And it's important as a gamer to make sure that that creative medium is maintained. At the same time, though, I believe that we we kind of look at it as a spectrum. And I hate using the analogy, but I have no other way of describing it. If you were to put disabilities along some kind of imaginary line, Mm -hmm. we always tell developers, make your game span the widest part of the line as it can. And then we want to make sure that no matter where on the line, there is a compendium of games that can be played. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting at one point here, there might be games that don't, don't cover your area. But that doesn't mean there's other games that you that there's, there is other games that do cover your area. It's hard to explain because it's a, it's a very visual, slide-worthy discussion. But, you know, so we've never said, and, and we've gotten in a lot of trouble, to be honest with you, ladies, mm-hmm. where people have said, no, everything must be universal, and if you do not make it universal, then it should not exist. Right. Games would not exist then. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It seems like your work would be, like, they were perhaps one of the reasons you've had so much success is because you have some give in your requests, right? It, it, the way we said it once, we were, we were having this big discussion on our board. If we created a game, and when I say the game that we're creating, we're talking about our accessibility ratings. If we created a game that you could not win, why would anyone bother playing? They would dismiss the Able Gamers Foundation and our mission as hogwash. Yeah. Because they couldn't win. And, and the way to say they can't win is think about how would you make Call of Duty completely blind accessible. Right. Mm. You wouldn't have Call of Duty anymore. Right. The game that's out right now cannot exist in its current form and be fully blind accessible. Now, it can be visually, people with visually impaired accessible. There are things that they could do that would maintain the integrity of the story they're trying to tell while increasing its audience, but it couldn't be universally accessible. And because we have that attitude, though, Call of Duty is willing to say, we're going to put our game up for rating because we're confident that we've done the best we can given the story we're trying to tell. If we had the universal accessibility guideline in place, everyone would fail. Therefore, no one would play. Um, I guess on that note, then, uh, there's there's a, a list of things that you put in your first tier of mm-hmm. inclusivity. Um, and that was, I think I'm skipping ahead. I'm sorry, Nicole. Uh, no, you're fine. <laughs> things like remappable keys, camera controls, movable HUDs, sensitivity sliders, things like that. That I think most of those Call of Duty have. Right. To some extent. And yeah. and so um, the question with it is, it seems like most of your suggestions have the potential to make games better for everyone. Um, and does that make it more convincing? Which it sounds like it clearly does. Well, Microsoft did a, a really interesting survey that they gave us a lot of access to and found that 
some really high number, and I don't want to quite quote because you guys are academic, so if I get it wrong, <laughs> someone will probably destroy me. Not that kind of academics. <laughs> um, but something like 58% of people that use Windows mm-hmm. use an, a feature within Windows that is a purely accessibility feature. Mm-hmm. Really? But don't wow. need it. Yes. So, you know, there's a ton of evidence that shows that people that don't need remappable keys want remappable keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because their play style is different. I, I use those I use those constantly too. So uh, I I'm 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 way on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think even for playing first person shooters and um just for myself even I remap the you know I have the HUD I move it all around the screen like uh, there's never one game that I just use one universal mapping of the HUD I always change where I have it sitting at depending on which game it is I actually get mm-hmm. ticked when I can't move the HUD I'm I'm like I'm playing Guild Wars 2 right now and the chat box can only be in two positions both the positions are terrible positions Aww. <laughs> Because both the positions are bottom left or top left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm used to seeing my chat on the right. Yep. So um, half the time my guildie is talking to me. And I don't even know they're talking to me because I don't even bother looking because it doesn't belong there. You don't even there. look at it. doesn't belong there, right? Well, well one, of the most, one of the things about gaming is memory. Everything's, you know, you, you get better at it because you play it for so long because your body remembers where everything is. Mm-hmm. So definitely yeah. having the ability to change it to exactly what you need it to be. Yeah, that, I mean, that, and that's the same. The same thing holds true for because we talk about it, like being able to play games because of muscle memory all the time, and you know, you you think about things, keys that or keys or buttons that do certain things being in certain positions because they've always been there. In like in my case, thirty five years of gaming, right? Mm-hmm. So you, then you all of a sudden you get uh you get a a game that does something totally different. I need to remap those keys. I want to say because I'm old and I don't learn things as quickly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but that's fair. You should have that. You should have that. I mean, like. Like, interesting enough, we use the WASD all the time mm-hmm. if you play on keyboards all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing changes if I move it to ESD and F. Yeah. It's the exact same, but you know, no one would, if, if I put a game out tomorrow that did that, it would get, it would be the talk of the town. They'd the immediately put a mod <laughs> to change it back to WADS. Everybody yeah, the fact that I moved it one key space over, mm-hmm. exact same mm-hmm. muscle memory, exact same everything, but you know, that's what people are used to and that's what people want. Or for instance, I actually learned to play, I love MMOs, I learned to play in Ashran's Call and EverQuest mm-hmm. 1. So I'm showing my yeah. age as well. Do you know that at the beginning, <laughs> W, A, S, and D were not how you moved in EverQuest? Really? Yep. No, you use the arrow keys. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. So if you look at the early mousies, like um, the... Microsoft created this really cool mouse called the Sidewinder. Yep. It's a left-handed mouse. It only comes in left hand. Why? Because everyone's right hand is supposed to be on their arrow keys. Wow. The funny thing is, is I was just looking at that the other day. I have a Sidewinder sitting over on my my game cabinet. (laughs) So I. (laughs) Yeah, just for those purposes. (laughs) And I'm the only person that Microsoft actually sent a disc to nine years after they discontinued it because I <laughs> complained and said, 
the website doesn't have the downloadable drivers for this and I want to use it. And they're like, oh, crap. And I think they went into a room and dusted one off and sent it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if this works, you can have it. <laughs> wow, that's funny. I had no idea. But that's even something. Like, I remember playing Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I used wads for that. But then... I went to I think Halo right after that, and it was its default was the 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 arrow keys, and I remember my mom yelling at me because I put the keyboard all the way to the side of the desk just so, <laughs> so I could have your left hand on the arrow keys right instead of remapping it because I was too young to know exactly what that meant. But <laughs> I'll just physically move the keyboard all the way over. Well, I have a friend who's not a gamer who just started playing WoW, and and so she's learning. Um, some stuff, and I watched it, and, and well, she was playing the other day, and I look, and she's using the the arrows because you can still use the arrows or wads, and she's using the arrows with her right hand, and then moving to click with her mouse, like back and forth really quickly. And she had been playing for like a month now, so she was like getting really good at playing that way. And I was like, wow, I couldn't. You can pay me enough money. <laughs> if I can get away with it, I will put my right hand on my arrow keys, and I will cast all of my spells and do everything. With the number pad and key in the keyboard, mm -hmm. and I'll never touch my mouse if I can get away with it. Wow, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing. Sam, do you want to go on with yours here? Sure. Um, so, um, in in your document, a couple of times you you talk about how technology is not advanced enough to accommodate some kinds of accessibility goals. Correct. Um, and and that I can definitely understand. Um, we're just kind of like wondering what what are some some of the kinds of technology barriers that you see um, that kind of meet these kind of same uh, these same restrictions that not only gamers face but even kind of you personally face because I, like I said I, I, I tell mine because I'm, I think I'm old and I don't learn things as well but, and my reflexes are slowing down but I also have partial hearing in one ear so if ambient music is too loud in certain games I can't hear the text so I always have to turn subtitles on I actually always run with subtitles uh, because I have the same mm -hmm. problem Ah, uh, see, so yeah, you talk a lot about uh, like LA Noir and Heavy Rain and stuff like that right where you use yeah. the ambient noise yeah yeah, and, and I'm like, I can't hear anything they're saying. All I hear is music and sound. Um, so what, what are some of the other kind of technological barriers do you, do you think you've seen? Well, I think a lot of the technology barriers are around, it's, it's interesting, cost. Mm -hmm. it's, not yeah. a, it's not a technology per se. I mean, we can get into the total blindness and the haptic feel and things like that. And, you know, I think we're just now starting to explore that as a technology movement. I don't think that's even completely associated with the, with the blind community. I think that, you know, we as an, as a society, as this technology is becoming more and more integrated into our life are really starting to look at haptic and what we can do with that. Mm -hmm. But cost, cost is the biggest barrier of technology. You know, there are some controllers out there because these things are, you know, one off controllers that are $1,800 for a controller. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my gosh. frankly, when you when you you know we when you have a, a disability and if you're living on any type of public assistance, Medicare, Medicaid, the types of great safety nets we have in this country to keep, you know, the people that need it most, you know, in a, in a condition to really you know be able to play games. Eighteen hundred dollars. I mean, it might as well as one one uh, one young man told me at one of our things. It may as well be $10 million. Yeah. yeah. 
because yeah. there's a certain point, and we call it the Christmas point. And the Christmas point is, can your mom, your dad, your grandma and your grandpa, and one aunt or uncle chip in and buy you something? Hmm. Sure. And yeah. if the answer to that question is no, because it's too expensive, mm-hmm. and I consider $1,800 a, a lot for five people to try to shoulder, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it doesn't pass the Christmas test. And that to me, technology, that right there is the single biggest barrier. Yeah. I, that, and that's, that's a great point. And, and it's actually something that, that I kind of recently experienced because one of uh, one of my colleagues had contacted me and um, she has a daughter uh, who has a disability but, and, it, and it requires that uh, she can't hold a controller and push the buttons at the same time. Right. But there are some console only games that she wants to play. So, you know, so we started she, and then she had said, okay, these are the kinds of games she likes. Here's what she wanted to do. So then and I started looking and I'm like, okay, so I know that there are some adapters out there, but I haven't looked, you know, for very specific ones in a couple of years. And, I, and of course, things go off the market or, you know, new versions come out. And I started to look and I'm like, some of these are so cost prohibitive, yep. right, that you don't, you know, you don't want to say, well, here's what she needs or, you know, it would be great if she had, you know, when it's ridiculously expensive, right? So I always try to offer people, here's like, here's three options in three different cost tiers, right? And, and that way you can kind of choose you know you know what you want to do and it would just be great yeah pick your poison but, but it, would, it would the fault just of be that, great though, if you didn't have to yeah the fault of that is microsoft and playstation and nintendo you know microsoft charges if you want to make a legal controller michael Truff, microsoft charges you upwards of 500 to 1 million dollars for the sdk nice oh for the God. license to make a controller. Now, Microsoft mm-hmm. actually doesn't even sell them much anymore because you've never seen in a very long time, when's the last time you saw a non-Microsoft branded controller on the market? Right. Yeah. You know, Logitech at least makes PS, PS uh, controllers, you know, from now and again. But, and, and so, you know, a, a legitimate vendor, a vendor who wants to make an accessible controller can't afford, just can't afford the SDK. So, yeah the controller that they make is, you know, technically incredibly against the end user license agreement, probably mm-hmm. breaks many, many patents and, and, and God only knows what other kind of, if Microsoft chose to, you know, drop the hammer on. The other problem yeah. is because they have to go around some of the security and some of the quote hackiness of the design, the cost of making the controller is just way higher mm-hmm. than if I were, you know, if I had the chip that, you know, all you're really paying for is the little tiny chip that Microsoft um, puts on the board that lets the tells the controller, you know, talk to the Microsoft or talk to the Xbox, and the Xbox say you're a legitimate controller. That's all the controller is. It's not, it's you know, it's not the technology that they use to talk to each other wirelessly. It's just this one little chip that says, "Are you real? Yes, I am." If mm-hmm. if if that were gone then there would be people out there who could, you know, develop a board that would be, you know, easy to put together and could create accessible controllers at a much lower price point. But they can't. So I would really mm-hmm. say the biggest bar- barrier right now is just strictly a cost problem. Um, I saw a video of you demonstrating a controller. I think it was at PAX. The Makey Makey. That's right. So um, what's the story with that? <laughs> I, I saw how it worked and everything, but I didn't get the story. It's a Kickstarter project that um, the Able Gamers Foundation helped kickstart. Um, we thought it was a val- you know valuable to see it come to market, so 
we were really excited about being able to get behind it. And it's just a um, Arduino board. It's an open source board that has just little wires in it and pretty much anything that's conductive. I think in my video I used jelly beans. Um, <laughs> and I went into the Arduino I went into the Arduino control panel and I mapped it has like eight different ports on it that you can plug jelly beans into or anything conductive, pennies, tape, wire. Wow. So I mean it really is flexible if you wanted to kind of create something custom. And it executes a keystroke. So, you know, some of the barriers there is whatever game that I was playing, and I was playing Guild Wars 2, has to be played strictly by keyboard. But you can play Guild Wars 2 strictly by keyboard. Uh, no, you can't. I'm sorry, because of the um, area of effect spells are, are strange. But if you pick certain classes, you could play it strictly by keyboard. Mm -hmm. and, and you program it any way you want. So that's, you know, the makey-makey. And it's like 25 bucks. But it's not really a... I don't really think it's a solution. It's more of a... Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't play with my, I wouldn't actually sit and play the game on a daily basis with my jelly bean controller. <laughs> <laughs> that seems logical, certainly. <laughs> I know it's weird, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but it seems like even on the site where you can watch that video, um, I mean, everyone seems to think that it's extremely cool and interesting and very supportive of it. I mean, you know what? It's it's almost sad that there isn't more that you can you know bring that attention to for the, the right developers. Game. No, for the right game, it's absolutely a a godsend. For for the game I was playing, it, it had some severe limitations. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, are it, there options that you could use for that then? For the yeah. game, for Guild Wars, I mean, there's better options than that, obviously. Yeah, there's definitely better options. That that's what's you know one of the one of the debates that's that rages in the disabled gaming community all the time is keyboard versus pc or uh, console versus pc mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know steve and myself are real big pc gamers one of the reasons why is because my pc will beat any console hands down mm -hmm. <laughs> two the op the the usb port is open source you can create anything and plug it into a computer right for cheap yeah you know while the console is not open source, it is a completely closed environment and interfacing with it in, with anything other than an approved interface device is cost prohibitive. We're right back to cost. Yeah. So if I, were, if I were advising a gamer with, or a person with disabilities who wants to become a gamer with disabilities, you know, especially if they had a mobility disability, I would tell them, like, start in the PC world because yeah. the console world is going to frustrate the crap out of you. Yeah, I actually think that kind of leads nicely into my next question. Um, in our line of work, we've found that having alliances is a pretty pretty big key to success. Um, so then with what you do, what are some important alliances that Able Gamers has that kind of helps you guys along with what you are trying to accomplish? Well, we have some really great friends out in the gaming space. Um, you know our, our 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 creation, the 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 person who gave us the, the the first dollar, so that we could actually turn ourselves into a 501c3 because the IRS actually charges for that. Most people don't know. Um, was Alex um, Alex Rigropoulos? I can never say his last name. The the founder, the and owner of Harmonics, the maker of Rock Band. Yeah. You know he wrote a personal personal check to the foundation. Oh, oh wow. You know, 
this should get you guys started. And, you know, wasn't a gigantic check, but to us, it was the giant, you know, the largest check we'd ever seen. Um, so we have, you know, we've, we started getting alliances. The, the people at PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo, mm-hmm. um, have been really, really, really um, good at giving us um, forums. So if I want a panel at PAX, all I really have to do is ask for one. And they're like, sure, Mark. You know, it might not be the best day and it might not be the best time and we might not get the best theater, but, you know, I'll get an audience that wants to know about what we do and about gaming with disabilities. And, you know, it's, and we get people that attend, which is really great. Um, Different, you know, some smaller, the indie game companies have been pretty good to us. Some of the larger game companies um, have been really great to us. One of our biggest, you know, our biggest, what really got us through 2012 was, you know, some support from some of the largest game companies who actually didn't even want to be mentioned. They were like, we want to do this because it's right, not because we need a PR poll. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, I mean, to be honest with you, some of those same studios are our worst enemies as well. Right. You know, look at, look at EA. EA has created the game accessibility, the, the mainstream accessible game of the year three times. They've also created some of the worst accessible games we've ever seen. Mm. Same studio. <laughs> yeah, I think you can say that about EA across the board for all their games for anyone, though. <laughs> yeah. They could be the best and they could be the worst. Yeah, look no farther than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask a, a kind of another question and and because you you've answered you were you were kind of answered the last question I was going to ask about advice that you would give to folks in terms of equipment but if you had a message that you would send to um that was not specifically you know think about going into the into PC gaming first right um that you would send to disabled gamers that we have that that may be listening to uh listening to this interview because I think we have a couple um what would you say um, well, I would say that there's a great community that um, they should become a part of at ablegamers.com. See, had to get the plug in. Um, <laughs> I actually would say that gaming, you know, video games are one of the most amazing things that has ever happened to our society. The ability to, you know, leave ourselves for a, for a, for a minute, for an hour, for five hours, if you 20 hours, if you look at some of the people that are playing Call of Duty right now. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Become <Been> some- there. <laughs> and become something that, unfortunately, the cards that have been dealt with you won't allow you to be. Um, you know, you can be a running back in a Madden game, or you can be an orc in, in an MMO, or, you know, a, an elf in a Skyrim. You can be an archer or a mage, that's amazing. And people with disabilities, I think, are, have even more of an advantage than able-bodied people because they appreciate even more mm-hmm. what they can become. You know, I think that, that that's, to me, I would say the single biggest reason why I do what I do is because... I know what it's like to escape my disability from time to time mm-hmm. and want other people to be able to have that same privilege. That's 
it's an awesome answer. It's um, and it, and it's, I, it is right, and and it's a, it's interesting because it, it kind of gets at, um, you know, I think why a lot of people who are kind of drawn to, um, helping others in in kind of game spaces are drawn to it, right? Is is kind of a personal connection and a passion um, that you definitely seem to be exhibiting. Um, so thanks for that answer. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> oh, great. Well, we want to thank you again so much for coming on. Um, I, I think with our, particularly with our uh, group of listeners, that this will very much hit home for for a lot of people. So um, I think your work and the work of Able Gamers uh, means a lot to a whole lot of folks uh, across the world. So thank you very much. Mark Barlet. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you, ladies. All right. Well, that was Mark Barlet. um, Absolutely inspiring to all of us in the gaming community to to step up our work and make it a better place. Um, Along with uh, his interview tonight, uh, Not Your Mama's Gamer would like to announce that uh, starting with this podcast and for every podcast on um, as long as it's possible, at least, we will be providing a text version um, of our podcast along with or shortly following our, our podcast uh, release. So for those of you who know um, people who may be hearing disabled or even just uh, whoever even just uh, would prefer a text version, that will be available from now on. Um, so now we'll go to our last thing, deals with broke-ass gamers. Uh, and in light of the conversation with Mark, I think very appropriate that we have some cheap games out there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think that when we talk about our deals for broke ass gamers this week, there's lots of deals. Um, we're, you know, we're still in cyber week, so you can kind of go just about anywhere and see really great deals on games. Amazon's been running really great deals since, since Thanksgiving. Um, and they still have some really good games going on, including, you know, having like Mr. Pandaria's on sale. Um, just about just about anything that's been released kind of recently is on sale at Amazon. Um, not a whole lot of kind of spectacular knock your socks off kinds of things, unfortunately, um, other than the the Cyber Week stuff. And Cyber Week stuff, unfortunately, tends to be some of the older stuff. Mm. Um, we are just one day on the other side of the Steam Autumn sale. Um, so there's no really great deals going on at Steam right now. But what you do want to do is keep an eye out for um, Toys R Us because Toys R Us is kind of alternating every couple of days um, between buy one, get one free games, buy one, get one 50% off games, or buy a certain game, get another game, any other game of your choice for 50% off. Um, so that you definitely want to take, keep a close eye on. Sign up for, and this is the important time of year to do one important thing, and I sign up for people's emails because they'll send you emails about what the sale of the day is. And oftentimes, especially in the case of like Toys R Us, sales will be 24 to 48 hours only. Um, and they're often good for uh, online and um, in-store Um so those are important things to take a to take a look at. And also, if you're thinking about getting um, consoles, additional consoles this year, keep a very close eye out for consoles. Um, while um, the Assassin's Creed Three Liberation um, Vita bundle and, and the uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified Vita bundle were both kind of Black Friday deals for do- for one hundred ninety nine dollars. If you go to to the Sony website and go to the Sony store, 
Guess what? You can get it for $100. You can get them all for $199 without leaving your house. So pay close attention to those kinds of things. Yeah, I found that for one of my old friends from high school because he, as he said, didn't want to get out of his bed uh, because one of his friends had stood in line for two hours to get his, and he enjoyed rubbing in his face that, you know, he bought his because because I sh- because I, I demonstrated to him that he didn't have to leave his house uh, without leaving the <laughs> comfort of his bed. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> That's funny. So... Sign up for, uh, that's one of the, the most important things is if, if you're looking for specific things um, or just looking for games in general, sign up right now for people's kind of regular newsletters. They'll come, they'll bug the shit out of you because they're going to come every, they're going to come every day. But that also gives you kind of an in on what's on sale for a very, very short period of time. That's what I got. Awesome. I love it. All sorts of savings. Mm-hmm. All sorts of savings. So, um... Like I said, um, we hope you've uh, enjoyed the episode and our conversation with Mark Burley. I know we definitely did. Yes, we did. Barley. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for this transcript version. Um, it'll be out very, very soon if it's not already, depending on when you download this. Um, and as always, folks, stay warm, stay safe, and as always, game on. Game on. Game on.